What does the modern LGBT movement have in common with the fall of Satan? What is an indication that someone's been given over to a reprobate mind? And what is a woman? You'll find out today on the Cross References Podcast. Welcome to the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a new Christian or a veteran Bible reader, our goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. This is Luke Taylor. I'm a minister, but I'm not proud of it. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with being a minister, but pride is a sin, okay? And call me old-fashioned, but we're actually not supposed to be prideful. And yet, here we are in the month of America, uh, known as the month of pride. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And I feel like that couldn't be a more perfect verse for 2023. And also, as we look at what seems to be on the horizon for the years ahead, this is a country obsessed with pride and it's leading to our destruction. Not destruction by an outside force, for God has blessed America so much to the point that it's the most powerful country on earth. Nobody would dare rise against us. And yet, we've decided to embrace a cultural and political suicide. And we've done this in many ways, but one of those is in our country's decision to destroy human relationships by eradicating God's good concept of gender and also our embrace of pride. So pride goes before destruction, and that word of wisdom is going to guide our discussion today. This is part two of a series that I'm doing on Pride Month. Last time, we looked at the philosophical history of the LGBT movement. Today is going to be focused on modern sociology. What is going on in our culture as a result of the embrace of LGBT pride? We're going to look to modern examples and also look at what the Bible has to say about them. And I would also like to shine a spotlight on the demonic nature of this movement. The LGBT movement, it's not just rebelling against God, it's also openly embracing Satan. I I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but it's hard not to notice it. The devil's not hiding anymore. He's not being subtle about this. We look at this drag queen thing that's really blown up in the past year or two. I mean, it's as demonic as can be. Look at these men who are dressing, what they say they are dressing like women. They don't even look like women. They look downright demonic. There's nothing feminine about these drag queens. Um, it looks like they're dressing up to look like something else. They, they say they want to dress like that because they feel like a woman on the inside. That is not what women look like, my friends. That's what demons look like. I think these people have something else going on inside of them. So, um, And also, look at the moniker that the LGBT movement has chosen to describe itself or what, what it pushes at this time of year. Pride. Um, And again, call me old-fashioned, but pride used to be known as a sin. Not only that, it was kind of the original sin. You know, this was a sin that existed before Eve ever bit into a fruit. Pride was the sin that created the devil. He was an angel, and then he became prideful, and pride made the devil the devil. We read about this in Isaiah 14, starting at verse 13, and look at the word I, and how many times the word I is used 
as God talks about Satan right here, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Satan was filled with pride. Pride made the devil the devil. He became the devil because he wanted to become higher than God. It was self-love. Um, and speaking, you know, just on a personal note here, I mean, I've had a Facebook account for more than a decade. I've got hundreds of friends on Facebook. Several of them over the years have been LGBT people. They usually delete me when I say something that they don't like. <laughs> so I've had, but I've had several of them over the years. And you want to know something I've noticed about the LGBT friends that I have on, on Facebook, my Facebook connections. They love posting selfies constantly. Men and women, they they just post selfies all over the place. And I'm like, what's that all about? They will post pictures of themselves like every day, literally every day. I'm not saying selfies are just prideful. You know, if you post a picture of yourself once in a while, I'm not saying that's bad. It's okay. People want to know what you look like. But when you see people who post constant selfies, you know, just like every day or two, they're posting another picture of themselves. It's hard not to not to see that as pride. You know, whether someone is is LGBT or not, but I've noticed this with the LGBT people, there is so much constant selfie postings. I'm I'm just kind of like, I, I just, you know, I kind of wonder what that's all about. Um, but pride is such a good word for, I mean, they chose the word, but it meant it's such a perfect one for what's going on here. Uh, one of my Facebook friends from college, uh, she, I just found this out recently, uh, seeing it on Facebook that she she has a husband and two kids, or she had a husband and two kids. This is a girl who was known as a Christian back when I went to college 10 years ago. Uh, from what I remember, she was known as a Christian. The husband was like the, the guy she married around that time was a good godly man. And I just happened to see on Facebook the other day that she left her husband to be with a woman. So she has destroyed her family so she could go be happy with a woman. Guys, it's all about the love of self. It's about pride. And Satan loves breaking up marriages. Satan loves pride. All of us have a certain amount of pride. But Satan will do whatever he can to stoke it. And listen, Satan doesn't care if it's self-love or if it's self-loathing. It's all pride because it's all focused on the self. Did you know that self-loathing is pride? Because it's getting you to focus on yourself so much that you don't see anything else. You know, you see someone who's self-loathing, we think the, the cure for that is to tell them nice things about themselves and be uplifting and all that. No, that's still just getting them to focus on themselves. If you have a self-loathing problem, you need to focus on other things. Think outwardly. So anyway, it's all it's all pride. What's the other thing the LGBT movement has embraced as its symbol? Well, you, you know it as well as I do. Rainbows, 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 rainbows everywhere. The exact symbol of God's destruction on the, of the earth after the flood, when God promised not to send another flood, Satan has taken that and co-opted it for this pride movement. I mean, that's not a coincidence, my friends. That's an open defiance of God. They're flaunting their rebellion of God right in his face, right there in front of the, in front of all of it, for all of us to see. You got to remember with that rainbow, guys. It wasn't a promise of God not to ever destroy the world again. God just promised not to use a flood to do it. In fact, 2 Peter 3 says it is, it is going to be destroyed again. Verse 6, 
The world that then, talking about back in Noah's day, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. You see, the world and everything in it is someday going to be purged with fire. That is literally going to happen someday. You know, we talked a few episodes back about how the Bible is literal. You know, some Christians don't don't take this part of 2 Peter to be literal fire. They say it's like a metaphorical fire, a symbolic fire. But look at the example Peter used. He said, Noah's flood. Was Noah's flood symbolic or was it literal? Noah's flood was a literal flood. And God is going to send literal fire someday. And when he does, not one rainbow flag is going to be left standing. Notice something else about the pride flag. The original rainbow pride flag. I know they've kind of, <laughs> they've, they've made it look, I guess they change it about every year and they add some new colors to it. But if you think about that original rainbow pride flag, which is still used in a lot of places, it had six colors. The rainbow pride flag that the LGBT movement uses, it's got six colors in it going top to bottom, six stripes of colors. It's just kind of interesting because God's rainbow that he created, it has seven colors. And seven's the number of perfection in the Bible. God made something perfect. But when you look at Satan's LGBT flag, his rainbow flag has six colors. Six is the number of man. That's Satan's number. That's why the Antichrist uses three sixes as his number. All right, so let's talk about something that has been on my mind a little bit lately. Um, let's talk about depraved minds. Um, that's a that's a phrase that you might recognize from Roman, Romans 1. Um, depraved mind, reprobate mind. Uh, let's talk about that. Last year, there was a conservative commentator named Matt Walsh. He released a documentary film that was called What is a Woman? And this film was challenging people who believe that, that a man can become a woman. He was challenging them to define what a woman even is. You see, these people have become so confused by their ideology, they don't even have a basic definition for words anymore. I, in fact, I'll play you a little bit of a of the trailer. And I know this is a Bible study, guys, okay? I'm going to just warn you, though, there's a little bit of adult content in this trailer because it's dealing with discussions of this evil, perverted gender ideology. In fact, I might have to censor a little bit of the trailer, but... Uh, if you hear any sound cut out, but I'm I'm just warning you. If you have small kids around you right now, this is <laughs> this is not an episode for them. But I would like to play you part of this trailer because um, I just like you to hear a little bit of what happened as Matt Walsh went around and talked to people, trying to get them to to define what a woman is. What is a woman? Can you tell me that? <laughs> well, you're at the Women's March. You must have some idea. Please, if, if one person could tell me what a woman is. You are not here for women. We ask you to leave. What is that? I'm a husband. I'm a father of four. I host a talk show. I give speeches. I write books. I like to make sense of things. A woman is not anything in particular. There is not one particular thing. It could be many things to many people. Some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. I like scented candles. And I've watched Sex in the City. Yeah. How do I know if, if I'm a woman? That's a great like, question. Can a man become a woman? <laughs> I'm not a woman, so I, I can't really answer that. Women only know what women are. Are you a uh, cat? No. Can you tell me what a cat is? You want to tell us what a woman is? 
So these people that Matt Walsh talked to, they've become so demented by this ideology, they no longer know how to define basic words like man and woman. They can't say that a woman is someone with female biology because they don't believe that you must have female biology in order to consider yourself a woman. So they've destroyed the old definition of what a woman is, but they have nothing new to replace it with. <laughs> they, have no, they have no answer to this very basic question. Again and again, Matt Walsh will stump them throughout this movie, asking them how to define a woman. Not a single one of them give him an answer. They try to dodge. They squirm in their seats. They can't even compute the question sometimes. They say, well, every person can decide for themselves what a woman is. But even then, when they say that, he says, okay, so what do you think a woman is? Well, then they have nothing to say at that point. <laughs> I'm going to play a clip from a conversation that he has with a professor. So the full documentary, if you want to watch it, it's on the Daily Wire platform. You have to subscribe to them, but that's, that's where the documentary can be found. I'm going to play you a clip, just one scene from it, because I felt like this one scene is so instructive for us to understand what is going on. Matt Walsh visits a university. He's going to speak with a professor on gender studies. He's going to ask this professor to define the word woman. Again, this is going to go on for a few minutes, but it's very instructive for us. So are gender and sex two different things? or? Well, I think that they, they both are and they aren't. I'd be, I'm comfortable saying that gender and sex are, are two different constructs, but they're deeply intertwined with each other. We're talking about gender and, and sex, and there's a lot of controversies there. If we're talking about a trans woman has all of the male physical characteristics, so would that not be a male then? Couldn't, couldn't we plainly say this person is a male? Well, wh well I guess it's, it's like, wh why are you asking the question? I think I, I, w I wanna understand sort of why that's so important. So if someone tells Just you- Just to, to sort of understand reality, you know? Well, I mean, I think when someone tells you who they are, you should believe them. So if a person says that they're a woman or they're a man, then that's them telling you their gender is. I'm, I'm not so sure why, what social um, in interactions would have to do with, with maleness or femaleness that would well, be- I'm not even talking about social context. I'm just, I'm just trying to start by getting to the truth, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm really uncomfortable with that language of like g getting to the truth again. In social why, why life, is that, why is that uncomfortable? Because that it sounds actually deeply transphobic to me. Um, and, the if truth? You, and, and if you keep probing, we're going to stop the interview. I, if I probe I, about what the truth is, you keep invoking the word truth, which is condescending and rude. I'm saying how to is, you, how is the word truth condescending and rude? Why don't you tell me what your truth is? And you're walking on thirty seconds more of the nights before I get up. What my truth is? Well, I don't think I really have a truth. I think that there's just the truth, like the reality. And so we should begin by trying to figure out what the reality is. I guess this all comes back, just, this all comes down to really one question, um, especially women, gender and sexuality studies. So, so what, what is a woman? Why do you ask that question? I just really like to know. What do you think the answer to that question is? Well, I'm, I'm asking. That's why I came to a college professor. 
who, who's, who this is your, this is what you do. What other kinds of answers have you gotten? A lot of like this where you're, where you're not answering. And I've gotten a lot of that, so. So as you can hear, these people don't have any answer for the question of what is a woman. Even somebody who's as educated as a gender studies professor, they have no idea how to define a word as simple as woman. It reminds me of what 2 Timothy 3 says about always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. I think that verse a lot sounds like so many of these elite people today, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. I think about these people who think they've come to some deeper, more progressive way of understanding gender. If this gender ideology makes them so much smarter, why have they lost the ability to, de to define a very basic word like woman? <laughs> if you're so much smarter now after learning all this stuff, why have you become so much dumber? Well, there's a reason for that. It's, it's found in Romans chapter 1. Starting at verse 18, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. So let me break in here. Atheism is just stupid. <laughs> the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. If you're an atheist, I'm sorry, the Bible says you're just a fool, because it's the most obvious thing in the world. Atheists are some of the most, in, in one sense, they might have high IQs, they might be very intelligent people, but yet they're so foolish because the, the reality that there is a God who created this universe, that it didn't, didn't it all just explode from nothing, which is such a stupid idea. It's as obvious as can be if you reject that. If you reject that much of a basic truth, you're not smart. <laughs> you're a fool. And so God, you know, the Romans says, if you reject God, if you suppress the truth of God, okay, if you, if you suppress that, there, oh, there is a God and he gets to set the rules, but I don't want to think about that. Then verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. He says there's no excuse for accepting this idea that there's no God. There's no excuse for disregarding God in your thoughts. Maybe you believe God is real, but you don't do what he says. You don't want to submit to his rule, his, his order of, of nature in the universe. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. I've read these verses for years and years, guys. You probably have too. And yet every year they just feel more relevant than they did. You know, I always think, oh my gosh, it couldn't more perfectly describe the time we're in. This thing about dishonoring your bodies. Think of what the transgender movement is causing people to do to their bodies nowadays. And it's all a lie. They exchange the truth about God for a lie. I mean, it, it just couldn't be more perfect. Every year it seems more perfect. Listen to verse 26. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. 
Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with the other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. You look at the, the homosexual community, guys, it's full of diseases, things like AIDS, sexual um, STDs. They're so much higher in the homosexual community than they are among the general public. There's even, I don't even want to get too graphic, but I mean, there's, there's cancers and stuff that affect the LGBT community, but not the, the general public at large. Why is that? God says they received in themselves the due penalty for their error. One more verse, verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. He gave them over to a depraved mind. Some verses, some versions that you read might say a reprobate mind. Some versions might say something else. What does this mean? What does a reprobate, reprobate or a depraved mind mean? Okay. Well, here's how, here's how we can tell if someone's been given over to a depraved mind. All right. Let's talk about people who accept this gender ideology for a minute. There's two types of people who are going along with it. There's one type of person who knows it's all fake, who knows it's stupid, but they go along with it because it's just easier to go along with the flow of culture rather than to fight the insanity. It's easier just to submit and go along with it. There's people out there like that. Some of these people who call themselves allies, they just don't want to put up a fight. They're just going to go along with it. And then there are those who believe it. They actually believe that a man can become a woman or vice versa. They believe that reality is just whatever you want to make it, that, that your personal feelings can dictate reality. Okay. Something that we learn both from, from that documentary clip that I played earlier and also from Romans one is that this is not just a war on gender. This is a war on reality itself. That's why that professor in the clip earlier he was so uncomfortable whenever he, he heard that phrase, the truth. He doesn't like that phrase, the truth. Did you notice that? He's, he's always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth because he thinks the truth is just a truth. It's just a person's opinion. Doesn't believe in the truth, but the Bible tells us about the truth. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So anyone who believes this junk about gender, they have rejected God and they have suppressed the truth. If they're not faking it just to go along with, just to go along to get along, if that's not what they're doing, if they actually believe it, God has given them over to a depraved mind, a reprobate, a debased mind. They have become detached from reality because they have rejected God's natural order. That's how we see Romans 1 playing out nowadays, okay? When someone doesn't know what a woman is, if they really don't know, if they're not just faking it to try to, to get along, if they really say they don't know, some people aren't faking it, guys. They've been given over to a reprobate mind. By all accounts, from what I can tell, our president has a depraved mind. He was openly embracing and celebrating this transgender stuff for years, longer than any other president alive today, he's been in favor of it. And millions of people in America have been given over to a depraved mind. 
And that is part of the righteous judgment of God. I'm not saying they can't ever be saved, but they have made it very difficult for themselves to get saved because they exchanged the truth for a lie. They claimed to be wise, but they became fools. Their thinking has become futile. They are degrading their own bodies and they worship themselves. That's what pride does. And that leads us to the insanity of today, where a young lady has just failed her college essay because she used the term biological woman. And the term biological woman is considered offensive in some modern universities. Let me play this clip. I got a zero on a project proposal in my class because I used the term biological women, which is apparently not allowed anymore. She even said it was a good project proposal, um, but I got a zero because I used this term that's exclusionary and not allowed anymore, so. And I 100% know that this is like the most biased grade ever because my project is about transgenders competing in biological women's sports. How am I supposed to do my final project if I can't use the word biological women? But that's what my project is about. And so that comes from a video. And so you can't see it for yourself, but it shows she shows a screenshot of what her, her, her grade paper, what her paper said from the teacher when it was graded. And this is what it says. Olivia, this is a solid proposal. However, the term biological woman is exclusionary and is not allowed in this course as it further reinforces heteronormativity. Okay? Heteronormativity, meaning to make people think it's normal to be heterosexual. We can't do that. So biological woman, that's an exclusionary term. It's not allowed. Her grade on this paper is zero. That's where we are as a society, guys, because she uses the term biological women. She got a zero on her paper. That's where we are right now. The war on gender is also a war on reality itself. In Genesis 1, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. As you read Genesis 1 and 2, you see that everything God created at the beginning of, of everything, all of it is under attack by Satan today. Creation, marriage, man's dominion over animals, male and female, everything God created is good. And so Satan is out here trying to pervert it or make it, make it opposite. I, I hope you listened to the episode I did last week. I know it was probably pretty long. I talked about a lot of history in that episode. I talked about how going all the way back to Rousseau in the 1700s, all the way up to today, where this modern thought about gender, where it comes from. Um, and there, there's a, an author named Carl Truman. He wrote a book called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And he, he, he says the modern idea uh, that we come to today of what gender of what gender is he calls it the expressive individual it means that reality is determined by your internal sense of yourself so anyone can determine what they believe reality is based on what seems right to them you know you hear nowadays this phrase words are violence a little bit different than how we used to think of the word violence in the past we would say you know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Uh, there was different ways you could disagree. You can disagree with words, or you could disagree with violence. 
Okay, it's considered more civil to disagree with words, right? Whenever your disagreement comes to punching and kicking, that's considered violent. That's considered physical. That was an escalation over words. But like everything that gender theory does, it, it's erasing all distinctions, and they no longer believe in a distinction between words and violence. They say words are a form of violence, and that words can be or should be resisted with physical violence because you're defending yourself against someone's words. Why do they say words are violent? Well, if you say Bruce Jenner is a man, when you say homosexual activity is wrong, that's considered violent to a lot of people in this culture because they consider it an attack on somebody's psychology. And to the people who believe this gender ideology, the expressive individual, your inner sense of self is how reality is determined. And so if you injure somebody's psychology, that's considered wrong and dangerous. It's considered just as bad as physically assaulting them. That's why they like to say words are violence nowadays. Adults demand this because they constantly want to be affirmed in their psychology. You know, the weird things that they're into, their sexual fetishes and all that, their transgender ideas, they're seeking affirmation in, in those things so they don't feel shame about them. And, and that's why schools have become a battleground, because this is a place where you can force people through the power of the government, preying on those who are most, most vulnerable and defenseless, children. You can force them to affirm whatever you want, even your own delusions. And it's working right now. Um, we're going to give stats later. There's a shocking number of kids who are identifying in these categories now of, of something LGBT. The youngest generation, it's, it's about 40%. Nearly half of all kids identify somewhere on the spectrum of the LGBT and all the letters that come after that. I, don't, I just stop at the T, but you all know what I mean. Local kids that I know, um, they'll talk about how at a recent school dance that kids were coming in who were identifying as animals. They came to the dance wearing collars. They, they call them the furries or something like that. This is a mental illness. It's induced by the teachers at these schools. Not saying all teachers are bad, of course. But there's some teachers who are using their position of power to influence children to affirm because they want to affirm the teacher's own psychological delusions, but also they're indoctrinating children into this junk. It's happening through TikTok and social media. It's happening through YouTube. It's a false worldview that's being perpetuated against our youth on a massive scale. And it shows a lot of this transgender stuff, this detaching from reality. It's not innate. It's not natural. Previous generations didn't face this stuff. The current kids are. It's exploding in the youth because it is something that you can generate. Uh, it is something that you can that you can trigger within kids when it wouldn't have come up naturally or organically. I've seen a couple of news reports lately, maybe you have too, where teachers are actually being asked to meow at the students who identify as cats. Schools are putting litter boxes in the bathrooms. This is a real thing that's happening. It's not a conspiracy theory. There are schools literally putting litter boxes in the bathrooms. No pun intended, literally. <laughs> I used to think, um, I used to use this example uh, when I would talk about the transgender issue. I would say, you know, if my son identified as a robot, the way that I could show love to him, the way that, that I would try to help him, it would not be by affirming him in his delusion that he's a robot. Right? I would not give him motor oil to drink. 
I would still try to get him to drink a glass of water at dinner. <laughs> so this was an example I used to use because I thought it was something that we could all relate to. I'm not so sure if everybody can relate to that anymore. Uh, we, we might not give kids the motor oil, but they're putting injections of dangerous hormones and chemicals into children to stop puberty or to make them grow, you know, make to make young girls grow hair on their faces so they look more like a boy. There's a lot of insane stuff going on right now. Um, things that I don't think would have even been legal a few decades ago, and they're doing them to children nowadays. So almost as bad as giving a kid motor oil. Uh, we'll talk next time about some of the dangers of these chemicals, but let's get back to this idea of the expressive individual. They say that the self determines reality. That's why I say pride is just the perfect name for it, because this is an inherently selfish movement. Here's a here's a clip of a, a I was about to say a dancer, a swimmer, a swimmer named William Thomas. He now goes by Leah Thomas. He identifies as a girl. And he's talking about why he wanted to swim as a female whenever he went to swimming competitions. He's talking about he was a controversial figure last year because this William Thomas or Leah Thomas, as he's I don't even know if it's legal, but whatever. He calls himself Leah Thomas now. And so he would just blow past the other female swimmers and was totally dominating in these swimming competitions. And so a lot of people were upset. A lot of women were upset hey, this is a guy who was a male swimmer for years. Now he says he's a woman and all of a sudden he's swimming against the girls and winning all the gold medals. And they're like, that's not fair because men are biologically more muscular and more athletic than, than women are. They're more powerful athletically. And so it's not fair to race a, a man against a woman and, and act like it's a fair competition. So he was asked about this when he was in an interview with, it was like Good Morning America or something. Listen to what he says. She's the swimmer who created shockwaves across the country. 23-year-old Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas pulling away. The UPenn swimmer making history in March as the first known transgender athlete to win a Division I national title. But her athletic achievements on the women's swim team igniting fierce debate over fairness in women's sports. It is just not fair. When it comes to competition, it's just not a fair fight. Throughout the controversy, Thomas has largely remained quiet until now. I knew there would be scrutiny against me if I uh, competed as a woman. Um, I was prepared for that, but I also don't need anybody's permission to be um, myself and to, to do the sport that I love. Assigned male at birth, Thomas grew up in Austin, Texas, where she says she fell in love with swimming when she was just four. But as she grew, she says she felt increasingly disconnected to her body. I didn't feel like I was a boy. I, I was like, this isn't, this isn't me, this isn't who I am. Thomas earned a spot at her Ivy League dream school, UPenn, on the men's team. But her success in the water was met with outrage leading up to the NCAA championships. Her critics say she jumped in the rankings between the men's and the women's team. And there are some who look at the data and suggest that you're enjoying a competitive advantage. What do you say to that? There's a lot of factors that go into a race and how how well you do. And the biggest change for me is that I'm happy. And sophomore year, um, where I had my best times competing with the men, I was miserable. And so having that be lifted is incredibly relieving and allows me to 
put my all into training, into racing. Trans people don't transition for athletics. We transition to be happy and authentic and our true selves. Yeah, Satan really knew what he was doing, guys, when he called this a pride movement because it's all about the self. All those female swimmers who work their butts off to win medals someday. No, it's not about them. It's about William Thomas's feelings. You know, let me, let me back up for a second. So it says, it says in the clip, critics say he jumped in the rankings, okay? This is what critics say about William Thomas because he, he did so much better when he started better. I mean, he started winning more whenever he was swimming against girls instead of swimming against boys while being a boy. So they say critics say that he jumped in rankings, which is also just a fact, okay? The critics are just pointing out facts. When William Thomas was swimming against the boys, he was ranked number 554 in men's college swimming, okay? So he was totally unspectacular as an athlete when he was swimming against the boys, right? Nobody's writing home to grandma to brag that they are number 554th in college swimming. But... He goes from swim swimming against men to swimming against women, and he jumped to number five. He went from 554 when swimming against men, he jumped in the rankings to number five when he started identifying as a woman. But notice also, the question that was asked is, does this give you an advantage? And Thomas answers that by saying, I'm happy now. That's his answer to the question. <laughs> because he won't acknowledge reality, obviously. He's not going to acknowledge his physical advantage. So his answer is, but I'm happy now. Ladies and gentlemen, that is pride for you. Pride is, this thing is it's an inherently selfish movement. The LGBT movement is all about yourself. All about your personal happiness. A few months back, it was revealed that this William Thomas in, in, uh, and his boyfriend... His boyfriend identifies as a girl, so they call themselves girlfriends. If you go to their Instagrams, their Instagrams are full of satanic imagery. I'm talking about like demented drawings full of blood, people who look like they're mixed with demons, pictures of them dressed up with devil horns. And this guy, William Thomas, he's one of the faces of the LGBT movement. He's one of their stars. And it's as openly demonic as can be. And I, okay, and listen, I'm just going to say this too. I'm sorry to be political here, but whenever you vote, don't vote for somebody who wants to let this guy share a locker room with a bunch of girls. This is a demonic, disgusting person. Most of the politicians in our country would let him use whatever bathroom he wants to. I think that's sick. Now, before we close down for the day, maybe we need to talk about this a little bit more. Let's talk about how they're coming for your kids. We talked about Target last time. Target has this satanic LGBT line that's directed toward children. Okay, so listen, we Christians, we're not shopping at Target anymore. Okay, guys, you got that? We are done with Target because look at what Target is doing. Look at what they're trying to do to kids. Ephesians 5.11 says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And what I want to shine a light on is that this LGBT movement is coming for your kids. That is not a conspiracy theory. They openly say that, okay? You might remember this little tune from a year or two ago. This is the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus. They put out an original song called We're Coming 
for your children. As we celebrate Pride and the progress we've made over these past years, there's still work to be done. So to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights, we have a message for you. You think we're sinful? You fight against our rights. You say we all lead lives you can't respect. But you're just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. You can keep them from disco, warn about San Francisco, make them wear pleated pants, we don't care. We'll convert your children, we'll make them tolerant and fair. I'm sorry to, you know, I know that's a disturbing clip right there. When they got, they put this out, and then when people complained about it, they took it down. And they said, oh, it was just a joke. Why is everyone taking a joke so seriously? Look at what Target's doing. Look at what's in your kids' school libraries. Do you think they were joking? This was like a couple years ago they put this video out, okay? If the open celebration of Pride did not clue you in already, I don't know what to tell you, but that when I hear this stuff, the devil is just not interested in being subtle anymore, okay? This is as obvious as it gets. Re uh, re recently, my wife and I, we had this couple over for dinner. They have a one-year-old kid. And the guy was, uh, he was asking me, hey, how do you find children's entertainment that doesn't indoctrinate kids into this woke stuff? And and so I told him what we do, because we have a four-year-old. I said, what I often do is put on old things, old cartoons. You know, if, if it's a cartoon that's more than five or 10 years old, it's probably pretty safe and innocent. Uh, you know, if you go on Amazon Prime, they have some old episodes of, Blue's Clues and Dora the Explorer. Um, you get some old stuff like Curious George, the kinds of things that, you know, my sister and I, what we watched 20 or 30 years ago. That's probably safe stuff. But go with the old stuff. Don't go with the new Blue's Clues, okay? The new Blue's Clues, it's as demented and evil as you can find. It's, I mean, it, wouldn't it be entertaining for an adult? Um, it, it is so disgustingly sexually perverted it would not even be appropriate for an adult to watch. It's practically porn. It's about these satanic-looking drag queens visiting the Blue's Clues house. Uh, they're putting this in front of your children, guys. A recent episode showed a transgender beaver character, a little cartoon beaver, okay? And a recent episode showed a transgender beaver. How do we know it was a transgender beaver? Because it's this cute, cuddly little beaver who's wearing a transgender bracelet. And also, this is on Blue's Clues, okay? It has scars on its chest showing where its breasts were removed. Implying that this was like a biologically female beaver. But now this female beaver has, has had its breast cut off so that it can be a, bio, it could be a male now. A male beaver. This is on a kid's show. This is on ch children's entertainment. Okay? They're trying to normalize or implant this idea into little kids' heads. Hey, if you grow up and you have breasts and you don't want them, just go to a doctor and let, it, let him cut them off. That's what they're trying to teach little kids. That's why I say it's demented. This is, I don't even have the words for this. 
It's awful. Awful doesn't feel like a strong enough word. This transhumanistic or <laughs> transbeaveristic, I guess, these absolutely insane, disturbing medical procedures that they're doing to people and they're trying to teach your kids it's all normal and natural and okay. I know, we don't tune into a, if If Paul was writing a letter to America, this is the kind of stuff he might have to talk about. That's why I'm talking about it today. This is the sick stuff that we're having to deal with. So they put this stuff on kids' shows. I'm telling you, don't just stick your kids in front of the TV and put on a modern Nickelodeon show and think that it's going to be okay. You have no idea what kind of ideas they are trying to put in front of kids. They said it themselves. They're coming for your children. I remember when I was a kid, there was this show on Disney Channel called The Proud Family. Uh, here's the word pride again, but it was called The Proud Family. I watched this show all the time as a kid. Now, in modern times, you might not know this, but The Proud Family has been brought back for modern times. Disney has relaunched the show, I think with like the original characters, but they're adults now or something like that. Um, but anyway, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. There's been so many reboots lately, I barely keep up with stuff. But um, the new pr- the new Proud Family is all about gay pride. It has a homosexual married couple, and the new Proud Family is called Louder and Prouder. And so there there was a Disney executive, and she worked on this show, and she was speaking on a, on a call to Disney employees, and she was talking about how she, for years, she's been trying to sneak a gay agenda into the kids' shows. Those are her words. Okay, you're gonna, I will play it for you. You'll hear it in a minute. But I emphasize this because she says she's been doing this for years. Conservatives have been pointing out for years there's a gay agenda in Hollywood. Pe- people used to mock conservatives for that. <laughs> Back when the <clears throat> when the devil was still trying to be subtle. He's not subtle anymore, though. Here's a Disney executive. Her name's Latoya Ravineau. She works for Disney Television Animation. And she calls this her not-so-secret gay agenda. Here's some audio. This was released by a journalist named Chris Rufo. It's like, I love Disney's content. I grew up watching, you know, all of the classics. They have been a huge, like, informative part of my life. But at the same time, like, I worked at small studios most of my career. And I'd heard, you know, you hear whispers. Like, I'd heard things like, oh, you know, they won't let you show this at a Disney show. And I'm like, okay. So I was a little, like, sus when I started. But then my experience was bafflingly the opposite of what I had heard on my little pocket of like, you know, proud family, Disney TVA. Um, the showrunners were super welcoming Meredith Roberts and like the, the, our leadership over there has been so welcoming to like my, like not at all secret gay agenda. And so like, I, I feel like I felt like it was, I mean, like maybe it was that way in the past, but I guess like something must've happened in the last like, like they're turning it around, they're going hard. And then all that like momentum that I felt like that sense of, I don't have to be afraid to like, let's have these two characters kiss. Let's in the background, like I was just wherever I could just basically adding queerness to like, the, if you see anything queer in the show, I'm proud of them. But like, I, I just was like, no one would stop me and no one was trying to stop me. I don't know if you could hear some booms earlier. My little my little kid is running around upstairs. So sorry if you heard some like booming and stuff. While I was playing that clip, I tried to quiet him down. Okay, so anyway, um, th- she talked about her not-so-secret gay agenda. So as that song I played earlier said, as our entertainment industry is saying, they want to convert your children into this new 
worldview. Not just to convert them to be gay, to convert them into thinking that reality is just whatever you believe it to be. And guys, it's not just the movies. It's not just San Francisco. It's our entire education system. It's the schools, the universities. But um, the conservatives in this country, we could say the Christians perhaps, they really let their guards down on this. They let the left come in and corrupt the schools so much. The colleges, the high schools, the elementary schools. Um, it's a little harder to play an audio clip about this because it's so visually stunning. But elementary schools around the country regularly have drag queen performances for the children. Men who come in dressed as women and they dance for the children in a sexually provocative way, wearing provocative clothing. The kind of things that 30 years ago people might go to a strip club to see something like this. Um, today it's going on for a second grade classroom assembly. Libs of TikTok is an account on Twitter. They catalog this relentlessly. It's not just isolated cases here and there. This happens all over the place constantly. It's in every state. It's not just in liberal cities. It's in small towns. It's all over America. Here's a clip of a dance. And I know you can't see it. You just have to hear it. This is Ankeny Schools in Iowa. Okay? This is Iowa, guys. And right in the middle of the country. They have a man in this clip. In a, in a leotard. Okay? A man in a leotard. You're probably mad at me for even putting that mental picture in your mind. But this is what your kids might see if they go to a public school. This could happen in a small town in Iowa. This is the risk you run. It's not just going to be in your mind. It's going to be right in front of their eyes. Indiana. Indiana is a pretty conservative state, right? This is the state of Mike Pence. They're having a gay pride celebration this month. It might have already happened by now, by the time you hear this. This, this gay pride celebration is for kids only, according to the poster right here. And then it says on the poster that adults are not allowed. <laughs> adults are not allowed to come. Why do you think they want to have a gay pride festival thing for children only that, a parents are, that the parents are not allowed to, to see or hear what's going on? They just take the kids somewhere and tell them whatever they're going to tell them. What do you, th th I'm looking at the poster right now. It says parents are invited to participate in other activities off-site, or they're encouraged to explore the city. This is called Indie Pride. This is what they're promoting. What do you think they want to tell your children if the parents aren't allowed to hear it? They are coming for your children, guys. They want your kids all to themselves. It's the not-so-secret gay agenda, and it's fueled by Satan himself. early Christian symbols was a fish. In fact, you still kind of see it sometimes to this day. But this all this goes back to the earliest days of Christianity. The ancient Christians who lived in Rome, they used a fish to represent themselves because it kind of goes back to what they thought of water. You see, fish lived in salt water. And for people, salt water is practically toxic. It was, it was undrinkable. And yet the fish, they lived in this atmosphere they lived in it every day, all day, 100% of the time, and they weren't affected by it. Now, that's how the early Christians thought of themselves. They thought, man, we live in some evil times. We live in a toxic, poisonous atmosphere around us all the time. And their challenge each day was how do we navigate it without being destroyed by it? 
Well, guys, we live in an ocean of expressive individualism. If you want to stand against it and keep your head above the water, what are we going to do? I'm going to give you five directives, I guess, five tips for what we should do to stand against this stuff. And and we're going to keep talking about this in the weeks ahead. This was just week two, talking about the reality of the situation here, where we find ourselves, what we're living in, what's the atmosphere, what's the salt water that we're having to to breathe in and out every day. This is where we are. How do we stay in this atmosphere and not be affected by it? Number one, examine our foundations. We often struggle to communicate with progressives, we might say, because we operate on different premises. If you remember from what I talked about last time, we have different foundations, and so we operate on different premises, those pillars that we build on our foundations. Um, We need to make sure that our foundation is based on moral principles, okay? Not individual stories that tug at the heartstrings that say, oh, well, I have a cousin who identifies as this or that. That is That should not be the, the foundation of what we think about reality. We need to base our foundation on moral principles and you just need to make sure that you know where you stand. That's number one. Step one is examine your foundation. And make sure it's in God's word in case that's not clear. Number two, we need to build a community. Because uh, if you notice, the LGBT crowd built a community and they supported each other. Uh, that That's how they've got the cultural dominance and the power that they've got today. They built a community around their ideology. If we, as Christians, if we're going to survive, if we're going to show better, people a better way, we need to build community too, okay? that's what, And that's part of what your local church is. You need to be involved in a local church because this is your community of fellow believers who pray with you and support you and have your back and hold you accountable. We need our communities. Number three, don't use their lingo. Don't use preferred pronouns, okay? And I'm going to do an episode discussing this in more detail down the road uh, later this month. But I'm just saying this for now. Don't use the language and vocabulary that they use. This is why I just say LGBT. I don't say LGBTQ. I don't say LGBTQ. LGBTQ I can't even keep it straight now. LGBTQAII peace sign plus sign whatever it is. It, you know, if you if you've been paying attention, if you look at the news stories, they say it a different way with different letters just about every time. Just to be just to keep it simple for me, I just say LGBT. I'm not going to try to follow along and keep up with their latest lingo. I don't care what they want to say. I, I'm not going to... I'm, I'm just going to say LGBT. They can't force me to say what they want me to say. But when I say LGBT, you all know what I mean. So it's good enough. I don't use the phrase transgender woman. Because whenever you say that, what that implies, what that is understood to mean, is a man who identifies as a woman. A biological man who says he's a female. Okay. I don't use that phrase because whenever you say that, you're making woman become the noun. So I'm not going to say that. I'll say a man who thinks he's a woman. And if they try to force me to say transgender woman, I'll say I'm sticking to the traditional definitions. If they say language is always changing, I'll say yes. But right now, the left in this country, the progressives, they're weaponizing the redefinition of language. And I'm not going to go along with it. I'm not playing along. 
there's a natural evolution of language that happens, but that's not what we're seeing right now. We're seeing a genetic engineering of language, and I'm not playing along with it, and you shouldn't either. Number four, we need to make them own John Money. And if you don't know who that name is, you need to listen to the previous episode. Whenever somebody says that they believe that there's a difference in sex and gender, tell them that they got that idea from a lunatic pedophile named John Money. He invented that idea, and his own experiments on children disproved his own theory. Okay? And I'll just say, in my personal interactions with people, when I've pointed this out to them, I have found it very effective because it's facts, okay? These are facts that 99% of people don't know, and yet anybody can pull out a phone, Google this guy's name, and easily see it for themselves. The facts are, if you believe that sex and gender are two different things, that you could be born one way, but then identify later as something else, then if someone believes that, they are following the psychotic babbling of John Money. It's right there on his Wikipedia page. This guy was a pedophile apologist. He sexually abused children. He was a psychologist. He's quoted all over the place, and yet nobody knows his name because he was such a demented freak. And yet the modern gender ideology movement is based on his writings, his research, if we call it that. Even though his research disproves the idea that sex and gender are two different things. His own research disproved it, and yet people have just went along with it anyway. Emphasize this to people. Make them own it. Point out that he was a lunatic and a pedophile, and there's no reason to take anything that he said seriously. And then number five, I'm just going to tell you, stay strong. Time is on our side. They want to say that we're on the wrong side of history. Um, you've, you've heard that, you know, with the gay marriage debate. We heard it for years. Now they're saying it with the transgender thing, that we're opposing civil rights, that we are on the wrong side of history. Well, nobody can know the future, but I do know this. We know what the future holds. We know who holds the future. We know what the last page of the book says. Someday, the world will see that we were right. It might be sooner than you think. You know, I think these kids who have been drugged and mutilated and taken advantage of, whose bodies have been permanently destroyed because they got manipulated into this transgender garbage, they're going to freak out one of these days. Some of them already are because they're realizing what was done to them and how there's never going to be any going back. These kids are not going to be psychologically healthy after a few years. They're not, they're not psychologically healthy now. And so um, in the end, the world is going to see what a terrible idea, to say the least, what a terrible idea this whole transgender insanity going on in the world right now is. Um, and as I said, at the last day, um, we'll be the ones left standing because we st we're standing with God. Now, I can't promise America is going to outlast it. Time might be on our side. It might not be on America's side. This could be the downfall of our civilization. Uh, there are dark days ahead. I mean, look at what's going on around us right now. They are sexually indoctrinating and preying on kids, and they're doing it openly. Would anyone have believed this eight years ago when they legalized gay marriage? Would they have believed that less than a decade later, they're holding gay pride events in conservative cities, states like Indiana, and saying no parents allowed? We get your kids to ourselves. Would anyone have believed that eight years ago? I, I doubt it, but here we are. It, it, may, it may get worse before it gets better. Uh, these are the times that try men's souls. But remember that we're each going to stand before God one day for how we stood during these times. And so we always have to keep that 
in front of us. This concludes part two of my LGBT deep dive that we're doing this month in the month of June in dishonor of Pride Month. Part one was about the history of the movement. Part two was about modern manifestations of this evil. Now, one thing we haven't looked at yet is what the Bible has to say about all these ideas. Uh, some progressives will even try to use the Bible to justify transgender perversion. So how do we respond to that? Well, come back next week for part three, transgenderism versus the Bible. So in closing, I'd like to I'd like us to turn to John chapter eight. You don't have to turn there, I guess. I can just read it to you. But Jesus was speaking to a group of Jews who said that they were children of Abraham, it, referencing the Old Testament patriarch, of course. And Jesus is having a heated discussion with them, <laughs> just to say the least. It's actually, you know, we kind of read it in our modern Bibles, the polite King James or whatever translation you're using. It sounds so much more mild than probably how the actual conversation was going down. And so they says they say to him in John 8, 39, they say, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. So basically they're saying to him, at least we know who our father is. You don't even know your own father because they they believe Jesus came from the illegitimate union, um, but you know because the virgin birth and all that. So they're kind of trying to mock Jesus. They're saying at least we know who our father is, you know. So this was a slam on him, and then this is what Jesus says in response. He says, "You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth." because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus said, you might think you follow Abraham, but you don't do what he said. You might think you follow Moses, but you don't do what he said. And you might think you follow God, but you don't do what God said. Jesus said, your father, your spiritual father, is the devil. Because you at least do what the devil says. So Jesus understood that our our actions are built on beliefs and our beliefs are built on our worldviews and we don't create our own worldviews. They're handed down to us by our spiritual fathers. You know, I keep saying during this lesson, the devil is not subtle anymore. There is one way that he has been subtle. He's hidden his ideas behind all these other people, all these other names. And so people don't even recognize him anymore behind all these lies. Modern people think that their beliefs come from John Money or Karl Marx or Sigmund Freud or Frederick Nietzsche, or Jean-Jacques Rousseau. But make no mistake, all these beliefs, all these ideas about gender going on today, they come from the devil himself. This insane, demented, psychotic, delusional, deviant sexual perversity, it comes from nobody but the devil. He was a deviant from the beginning. And when you follow this idea, when you follow this filth, when you follow this degeneracy, you follow him. On that note, thanks for listening to the Cross References Podcast. This has been Luke Taylor, and I know what a woman is, and I hope that you do too.